friends, welcome to another episode of Unlearn, Relearn podcast with Megan and Wilson. Hello, hello, friends. So how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm just, you know, in, that, in this weird space right now, yeah. towards the end of the year, after election stuff, which feels like we're still having to deal with it even though we already have results even though we think we dealt with it we're still we still have a lot going on um we have we're still in the middle of a pandemic which is getting worse Mm -hmm. somehow but also the holiday season is coming up and this is just a very i didn't know we were going to be in these types of emotions and feelings after election, I thought it was just going to be like, oh, the country spoke and we got a new president and that seems like that's it, but it's not. I knew there was going to be some rocky waters. I just didn't know the direction that it was going to, that it was going to take. And I didn't know for sure what it would look like. So Now that we're here, it's like, okay, we're figuring it out. We're figuring it out as we're going along. Just like we have been all year. So this week's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about um, the White House and Trump and transition and a bunch of other things. So obviously the president is not interested in conceding and his him and his election team are fighting the results and they're spreading a whole lot of misinformation lawsuits so we'll get into all of that um we'll get into the implications of what that means for elections going forward integrity in our country and democracy us as a nation moving forward all of that all of that what what effect is this period in time and what the president is doing is going to have on our elections maybe you know eight years from now four years from now two years from now So this is going to be very interesting. But before we do any of that, let's go into our highlights of the week. That's where we just do quick hits on stories that we think are, that we want to talk about. So, uh, Megan, do you want to go first? Yeah. Um, As you said, we're in the pandemic. We've seen a surge in cases um, really across the U.S. It's I'm pretty sure they said in every single state the cases went up in every oh single state um, and uh, I was looking at the numbers and the US has surpassed 11 million cases with 1 million recorded in less than a week as the virus spreads and what people think are calling about that. unprecedented speed 1 million recorded in less than a week I think I saw somewhere and where it said it was like that we were up to almost 200,000 new reported cases a day at one point. I don't know if we're there now or if we've gone past that. We might have even gone past that mm-hmm. and a single day records. But uh, yeah, this thing is out of control at it's this point. It's spreading a lot. And I think um, just personally, my opinion, obviously... As you said, there's been so much misinformation spread, primarily from our unfortunate president, um, Donald Trump. He's been the primary, uh, (laughs) 
leader of uh, misleading information or spreading the leader of spreading this misinformation in regards to the virus and it's it's just very sad to see mm-hmm. um, we we could be further along as a country we could be combating this in much better ways but we are not united in this no and it's showing it's showing and to have to have friends and friends of friends who are nurses and doctors and and in these essential workers that are having to firsthand deal with this and and listening to their stories i think i was reading some of the stories to you earlier, Wilson, and basically had to stop because I was about to just cry because it's just so overwhelmingly sad that the way that these people had to pass. Mm -hmm. And a lot of this has to do with the fact that we just cannot seem to get it together. We cannot seem to, you know, people talk so much about their freedoms and them wanting to you know have fun or do this that and the and the other and it's like okay that's great and all but we're in a fucking pandemic this isn't like something that we're like oh well it's kind of here maybe whatever no like this is something that's serious and we're having to deal with it obviously it's not ideal no nobody would choose this but we're in it and what's even worse is this isn't just a u.s thing this is a global issue. Yes, yes. So when people, when when we hear people, or at least when I hear people talking about the virus in such a like, oh whatever way, in passing way, it's like, or or that it's fake, or that they're you know messing with the numbers or whatever. It's like, okay, I'm not denying some of that information. Maybe they're messing with the numbers, what ha- whatever, what have you. But look at even even look at the countries outside of the U.S. and how they've been handling the situation, the cases that they have. It's the U.S. Worse. is not controlling these other these yeah. other countries. It's getting so worse. So this is here. It's here to stay. So how can we be better about handling it? Mm-hmm. So it's something to think about, especially with the holidays coming up. There's so many people talking about still traveling. So many people talking about still gathering in in larger groups and it's like i know you want to see you know you might want to get together with all your family or i know you want to go and have like 10 different friendsgivings but it's just not the way to do it Mm -hmm. it's just not the way to go it's there was a story about um that broke out about some wedding it was a smaller wedding of like 50 60 people and wait when did that happen Recently, it oh. was like a wedding, and then they were having a smaller reception because you know the virus, so they wanted to have a smaller a smaller group. Well, turns out somebody that was there had coronavirus, and then it ended up in total. Now this is it ended up in total affecting over almost like two hundred people, oh, and wow. a, and a good number of them died. And of those people that died, all none of them had been at the wedding. But it just shows how fast it spreads and how yeah. easily it spreads. So it doesn't matter if it's a small group, it still happens. So it's like when they say be careful about who you're meeting with, be careful, you know, like, yes, we want to see our families, but we can do that virtually. That's the beautiful thing about technology 
in 2020 is we have that option yes it's not ideal yes it fucking sucks like but is is like taking is going over and meeting with a big old group and killing grandma and your uncle worth all of that Mm -hmm. no Mm -hmm. so we need to really we we need to really step it up yeah um, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, I really don't have any much more to say to add on to it. It's it's unfortunate and it's sad. It's crazy that you would say that like the story would develop that 50, 40 or 50 people meet up and they spread the virus. But none of the people that are at the actual uh, uh, inciting event or the first event or the mm-hmm. spreader, super spreader event right. are the ones that actually Pass. are passed or right. are severely affected by it's the people that they go and talk to and hang out exactly. with. Those are the people who maybe have the compromised immune systems who they told not to come to the event for that's probably for that specific very reason. Exactly. But then you catch it, you're asymptomatic or you don't suffer that much, but then you take it to the person who you told to stay home. They catch it from you and then they pass away. Right. So it's just like, it, it, I mean, I'm not saying that that's what happened, but I mean, I can assume that if you were going to have a, a gathering, you would tell the most vulnerable people in your family to stay home. Right. Only for you to bring the disease home, back home, back home them. to them. Yeah. Yeah. And leading off of that story, my highlight of the week, because the fish rots from the head and whatever happens at the top is usually how most Americans will act. When you see it in the White House, they are now having their second outbreak of coronavirus. They had their first one almost a month or so ago with the president in his inner circle. Now we're, we're seeing that now there's a second outbreak in the White House when 130 plus Secret Service members either have coronavirus or have been exposed to coronavirus. And these people, reports are saying they got this from being on the the service detachment and being at being having to work at Trump rallies pretty much mm-hmm. is what it is. So Trump is having these rallies. Right. Everyone has been everyone has determined that these rallies are super spreader events mm-hmm. and now the secret service has 130 people who have to either have it or have to isolate because of it. Now that degrades the effectiveness of the secret service's ability to protect the president exactly. and all of his family members and anybody who has Secret Service protection. Right. So because the president and his team are this incompetent, I guess is the word, one word you could use to describe them, now the Secret Service suffers. Right. And so we learned recently that his chief of staff now has it. Uh, ben Carson in, in, within I was the administration. Say that leads into our main now topic. Has it. Um, and so, yeah, as we move out of this, I mean, it's just, I mean, that's, a, that was, go ahead, finish what you were saying. That's exactly right. It's like, basically people are talking about the White House as the, he, the virus headquarters. <laughs> oh, that so moving into our thrown, main topic. That yes, term now. has been thrown out. So Unreal. like you said, you have the chief of staff, Mark, uh, Mark, Mark Meadows. Meadows, then, uh, um, uh, secretary of, I think housing and urban, urban development, I believe. Herman, oh, not Herman Cain. God rest in peace, Herman Cain. This black man, I'm mixing him up with Ben Carson. <laughs> yeah. Who also has neurosurgeon, brilliant neurosurgeon, doctor, who also now, now has, has COVID. COVID. Actually, six new staff members just in the last week. This is the like, 
So, so it just like, shows, like you said, at the it starts from the very top, and then this, the way the results that we're seeing are, are based off of predictive, predicted. Yeah, they're based off of how those at the top are handling this, and you see Trump and how he's handling it. The fact that he hasn't been to a coronavirus meeting in what it, it was like a months? few months, a couple of months at least. It's been since he's attended a coronavirus task force briefing, which so, doesn't even really. I mean, that it seems just. I'm fully convinced that he's done being president, and I think he was done being president like a month or so ago. I'm he's fully like a convinced. child. He's throwing he's like, a fit. He's like, well, if I'm not going to be the president anymore, then I don't want to do anything. But until then, I'm going to keep throwing my fit and acting like we're going to do something about it. And it's like, oh, my God. Okay. But, I mean, we all knew that. We all knew that was I mean, but did happen. we really, though? Did we really think he would just... Like, I knew he was narcissistic. I knew, I knew he was full of himself. But I didn't think he would literally stop doing the job. Like, this is a new low for me. He's literally stopped doing the job or yeah. even giving faint attempt at the job. Yeah. He is done being president. Mm. But he is the president. Right. And there is no leadership. This virus, going back to... Topic number one, this virus is out of control right now. The president does not care. And how can you, if you haven't been to any of the briefings in the last at least month, but it's been, I think it's been at least two or three, um, is what they said from what we read. If you haven't even been to the briefings, which gives you updates on what's going on with the virus, then how are you supposed to? to know what's going on in order to move forward. So it's like, you haven't ever had a plan to move forward, number one. Mm -hmm. But even if you were going to attempt at to this point- To look like you have a plan. To even, yeah, to look like you have a plan, you you don't, How, you can't. <laughs> There's no way you know about anything. Yeah. So it's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's, this thing is, and I guess like it adds to our level of, frustration and and sort of like our our bitter pill like we got rid of him as president or we voted him out as president but we have we, we you know people settled in once the election was called people had to settle in on the idea that we have to deal with about two and a half more months of him being president it's like 79 days or something like that between election day and inauguration day so it's about two and a, almost two and a half full months of mm -hmm. him continuing to be president and what kind of damage could he do in two and a half months and the and truth is that. the truth is is that he's not i mean i don't know like we, we we could get into another episode later about he's how he's actively doing damage but i think that his passivity his passiveness mm -hmm. is doing damage also it's both. It's yeah. both. for sure absolutely it's both there's certain things that he's absolutely actively doing that he's very aware that he's doing and he's doing it for a reason. Mm -hmm. 
and the rest of it is is just, just a consequence of, of ignoring. him just ignoring not giving or an yeah. actual shit of not wanting to deal with it any, or any yeah. of it anymore. The the rest of it is just consequences of that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's just like uh, one thing that we see. You know, he's been obviously we what know, he's actively we know doing. that he loves to tweet. He loves to get on Twitter and talk talk his shit. And here it is at a time where coronavirus is heightened, heightened, heightened. And what is he talking about still? Voter fraud. What is he talking about still? How he should have won. Like how he's the real winner. How he's not conceding. How we're, we're still fighting it. We still, we got this. How this person is a loser. This person's an idiot. Yeah. And not a single thing about the country. It's all about him. It's all about him. Not a single thing about what's going on with our with our country. Didn't he say that after the election he was going to pass a coronavirus relief bill? Right, and that's not going to happen. Not we're not happen. talking about that. Not there's no happen. there were there's not going to be any talk about that. None. No no stimulus checks, no nothing. No. Unreal. Yeah. He you know, Trump's campaign is still like dealing with lawsuits. They did scrap a few um major parts of the federal lawsuit uh in like pennsylvania i believe yeah um but they're still dealing with with lawsuits out there but that most of the um, lawsuits are getting scrapped dismissed with record speed because they have no evidence yeah at all whatsoever and then you also have um what was it his his main uh his main lawyer not only did not go to law school does not have a bachelor's degree. And <laughs> yeah. guess what else? He has the virus. He got coronavirus. Oh, Jesus Christ. Imagine that. Yeah. So not only is he a liar and he's incompetent, incompetent but he's also being unsafe and exposing himself. It's just... Exactly. I think I had told you this not on, not on the recording, but I had told you this like when people were saying, oh, could Trump overturn the election? Could Trump overturned it in court i was like now i know something about i know a little bit i don't know that much but i know a little bit about court i know the way court works is you have to show first off you got to show up with evidence all right mm-hmm. so you can't walk into a courtroom without evidence because the lawyer the judge is going to be like okay all right uh all right we're here all right the, you can't just say this. this is happening and the judge is like oh all right <laughs> cool sure okay. all right go ahead i believe you <laughs> the fuck the no. judge is gonna be like, okay where's your evidence exactly and then you're like i don't have any you're gonna be like wait why are you here? Why are you in my courtroom if you don't have evidence? Right. Number one. Number two. Why are you wasting my time? Why are you wasting my time? Also, the people who are, are uh, representing Trump are bozos. They're clown. It's a clown show. It's, it's who is lighting their career on fire to be a, a lawyer for Donald Trump right now. Literally, that's what you're doing if you're in court right now fighting mm-hmm. for Donald Trump. You are taking your career and holding it up and lighting it on fire. Who are you going to work for and what's your reputation and credibility going to be after this is all over? It's going to well, be then in you a also see Then you also see a bunch of Republicans backing him up still. You have federal government chief information security officer participating in an effort um, backed by Trump supporters to hunt for evidence of voter fraud in battleground states where Biden secured the election victory. So they're like literally like, hey, we're going to give you like money. We're going to give you money to find evidence 
that there was voter fraud. And if there was voter what? fraud, you wouldn't need to give anybody a dime because it would be so obvious that it you could w- just... It would have been just, there. Yeah, it would have been there. Yep. Somebody would have said something <coughs> credible by now. Exactly. If there, you know, and you did have that case out of Pennsylvania where the guy tried to say something about, oh, some election, some ballots were back, were backdated and then he recanted and then they put him in front of some lawyers and some police and then he recanted but then he said i never recanted it's like dude get out of here right. nobody's listening to you anymore but also at the exact same time i know we're going to get to the grift part of all of this uh the money making part of all of this this guy set up a gofundme immediately and and i think at the tune at the time that this story was kind of relevant a week or so ago he had raised a hundred and thirty thousand dollars in his gofundme because he said that the deep state is coming after him and they're going to fire him as a, as a postal worker and he's going to need to find gainful employment. So here's my GoFundMe. He raised $130,000 in like four or five days. That's insane. So That is just crazy. <laughs> so Sometimes it's like, man, I would love to just... Put up a GoFundMe and raise $130,000 to like, I actually have better reasons, but that's ridiculous. You just don't do that. You just don't do that. I think I told you this off air. If you and I had different morals and scruples and, you know, we were advocating for some other type, we were on the other side, we could raise that kind of money very, very easily because apparently, and this is not something that we should be amazed and learning but that side when it comes to the griff it's very easy it's very easy to get money out of them because they just want to believe that that whatever it is that they've been told is true mm-hmm. so if you if you say hey there's voter fraud and i was a, a poster worker and i can prove it but also help me out i need money then you know at last count i saw one hundred and thirty thousand dollars. i don't know how much he's raised since then i wouldn't be surprised if it's double that amount since then Right. Well, speaking of GoFundMe, let's talk about Trump's, essentially, his GoFundMe, but not really GoFundMe. So the Election Defense Fund is what we're calling it. It's Trump's new political action committee called Save America, and it will receive 60% of every contribution to Trump's official Election Defense Fund. The remaining 40% of of each contribution goes to the Republican National Committee. So this defense fund essentially is saying like, okay, everybody donate to me. We're going to figure out what's going on with the voter fraud. We're going to, this is going to help fund recounting in certain states lawyer and fees, lawyer, lawyer fees for, for the, yes. for the lawsuits, yes. right? That's what, that's what they that's what it says. said. Yes. Now at the same time, if you go on the website, the 60% and 40%. This is all listed and it's not like it's in super small print. <laughs> it's no. very like easily found right in your face. It literally says this. So imagine donating to a cause. That's one thing. But pretty much none of your money goes to that cause. Because in this it's stating that it's it's basically saying that if a if a contributor has reached the $5,000 legal limit 
then anything above that will go to the recount fund. But of the money that you donated, which who's donating five thousand yeah. dollars? Most people are not donating that much. Almost no one. Almost no one is donating the actual. So basically, funding. none of your money <laughs> that you're donating is going to the cause that you're donating to. So what is it going to? So it's going to essentially to help further his political agenda. So part of it is going to this Save America. Save America is basically like his Another own personal fund. Another organization. His own personal fund. Another personal fund, he said. And then the, and that's 60% of that. 60% goes to Donald Trump's personal fund. Mm -hmm. And then 40% goes to the Republican National Committee. Mm -hmm. now, now, here's the thing. We know why 40% is going to the Republican National Committee. We know why. Because there's two races happening and two runoff races happening in Georgia. Right. Um, they they uh, <clears throat> the the four people running for the seat for the two seats in Georgia, neither one of those four people reached a fifty percent plus one threshold in the in the general. So if you don't get fifty percent plus one, then or if you don't get fifty percent of the vote, then that race goes to a runoff. Now both races are going to runoffs. Um, this about to be, and the Republican Party needs a lot of money in order to effectively run campaigns in the state of Georgia between now and January 5th. We're going to have highlights, an episode. We might even have a full topic about this race in Georgia, its importance, and why it is that if you have any way to contribute to mm -hmm. whether it is you know anything you can do to help out in this race in Georgia, we'll, trust me, we're on our way to that being if not a full-blown topic, right. highlighting a call to action. That's coming. Yeah. But going back to Trump, um, the reason why Republicans are silent about him right now is because of that extra, that 40%. That 40% is keeping a lot of Republicans' mouths closed because they need that money in order to effectively run those two races and try to win both races in, Florida, in Georgia right now. So... There's the grift. There's part of the grift. Now, part of that 40% that's going to the RNC is not all going to Georgia. Some of that is going to go to the RNC, their own funds, their own pockets, their own things. And then percentage of that 40% will probably make its way down to Georgia to actually help with the, with the race down there. So what is, what is this? This is all one big, huge grift. People, you know, a lot of reports are saying that Trump is trying to make as much money as he can on his way out the door. And this is a prime example of, of that happening. Um, you know, we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see. Absolutely. You just got to keep an eye on it. Now, this thing, and this... Um, we talked about, I know you used to mention this about false and misleading information in regards to election fraud. I wanted to bring up something that I had heard. Was it either this morning or was it yesterday morning? Fareed Zakaria um, did this piece on CNN where he talked about what Trump's, what are the parallels in history to delegitimizing a Democratic election, Right. So what Trump is doing right now is he's sowing uh, 
delegitimacy in our elections. He's yeah. basically saying planting this, the seeds there that, that this election was stolen, mm-hmm. right? And so when you say an election is stolen, then if something is stolen, then then that means it was stolen by someone. Right. Meaning that there's thieves. Someone stole this. Therefore, someone's responsible for someone that. else. Someone's responsible for the theft of of a thing. And when you sow that sort of mistrust within large groups of the population, it has a it has a a way of of coming back around at some point to haunt the entire system. And he gives a parallel of when Germany lost the First World War and how Germany surrendered to the allies of the First World War, World War I, and how the surrender left a very bad feel and smell and taste in the German people's psyche. So that when Hitler came around and started giving his little speeches on the street or little speech over here, and no one was really paying attention to him. He was just some dude that was over there speaking. Hitler was speaking to the fraud of the surrender, the traitors within our midst, the traitors in the government who sold the German people out to the allies at the end of World War I. And he was saying that, basically he was saying that what Trump has done, and it's damage is already done, yeah. is that he's set up a situation in which a charismatic person can come back around in years, 10 years, and say, remember when those people stole that thing from us? They're all in our midst. They're all around us. They're thieves. They stole that election. And that that is what happened pretty much in Germany in the parallels to that is first you have to create a massive conspiracy and an enemy that right. is amorphous and you don't really have your hands on and it could be anybody. Right. And then you can go forward and say, I want to get our glory back from those people who stole the thing from us. Or in the case of Germany, it was from the traitors who sold us out to, to uh, the allies. And, and, and made us surrender when we should have kept fighting. Mm. And that was one of the main, one of the reasons, not the only reason, but it was one of the reasons that when Hitler would speak, a lot of smart, intelligent, well-read, capable people listened mm. and were like, oh, yeah, you're right. They did. Those are cowards. They are traitors in our government. Get them all out of there. And so we need to really think about what Trump is doing. And I think that going forward, like the work of reestablishing legitimacy in our elections is going to be something that we really have to work on because Trump has literally in a good 30 to 40 percent of the population. He has destroyed the idea that elections are fair. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think that I love that you brought that up. That's a great um, transition into this next point I wanted to talk about, which is, you know, what is this whole transition of Trump to Biden? And 
them and the Trump administration blocking that transition and the damage that it's doing. And just that in itself, the fact that he has planted this seed for for the moving forward is a huge factor because not only did he do it there, um, he's doing it by controlling the people that are in power right now. So there are certain, you know, people that he's fired and there are certain people that they're in talks with of hiring, which I don't understand because, bro, you're not a president anymore. You're done. You're almost done. What's going on? But the the way that he's maneuvering that is is something that we need to pay attention to because it's going to affect Biden's presidency, which is how the next, you know, Biden's presidency runs is then going to affect the next round of presidential mm-hmm. elections. Mm-hmm. And or at least Biden's effectiveness or ineffectiveness as getting off to a good start absolutely. within his, within the first 100 days or so of his of the next presidency not even just 100 days the whole time mm-hmm. you know um oh no were you gonna say go ahead no um so there was another story that people were talking about the parallels of which was 2000 so in 2000 the the vote the the vote between gore and bush was separated by about 500 votes down in florida and while they were going to court <clears throat> doing all of these court cases they didn't the Supreme Court didn't make a decision, right or wrong. People say the election was stolen from Gore. I understand all of that. Gore won the popular vote. Bush won the Electoral College. That's how Bush became president. But the, dis- the time between when the, when, the, when the lawyering and all of the cases happened and Bush effectively got control of the transition was not until late December. So he had a good month and a half in which he had no access to anything within the transitional time to get up and running. And there are reports that say, I'm not a, I'm not 100% sure, but the 9-11 Commission, some other commissions came back and said that the, that amount of time that Bush lost in his transition was one of the things that led to his the first half of his administration not being as robust and up and running as it could have been. And... September 11th was less than a year later. September 11th, 2001 was literally nine months later. So less than a year, like 10 months away was when September 11th. So I'm not saying that, that that's why they missed missed it. But what I'm saying is, is that like you just said, because you had just, I'm saying that this is one of the things that can contribute to Totally. Though not the right people being in positions to have all of the information that they need to have to make decisions to keep the country safe. Whether you have uh, disagreements on what that looks like and what and, you know, whether that's actually their mandate or their job. This is the way the process is supposed to work. And, uh, you know, this is the way it's supposed to go. And every other person that has ever lost has conceded. They've given it given a concession speech. I also found out that I also learned this and I, I, I forgot about it. Hillary Clinton gave her concession speech on the night of the election. The very next day, Obama, President Obama invited Trump to the White House and they had an hour and a half long conversation. Mm-hmm. And he said, I will, my administration will help your transition team to transition into you being president. 
the next day they were having conversations. And so you got a president who knows what the process looks like because he went through it in 2016. He was on on one side of the equation. He was coming in instead of going out. So he knows the intimate intricacies of what is supposed to happen at this point. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he has decided to just give up on all of it and not even participate at all, that to me is the most infuriating part. Absolutely. For me, personally. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot that's behind that. I mean, as you can see with the... um, with the election defense fund, it seems like this is just another way for him to make money. So why would he concede when he can keep saying that there's voter fraud and that we can potentially fix it, even though they they definitely have to know that they're not going to fix it. Like, that's not going to happen. Wait, the results are not going to change. So instead of instead Wait, of just conceding, he can just say they can just continue to do things like this election voter defense fund where they keep getting money from people. If he conceded, he wouldn't be able to keep be, keep getting money from people. Like, it's all a plot and plan. I don't it's know. It's all a money grab. It's just like, yeah, it's a lot. It's all Pres- a money grab. And then also, you know, with Emily Murphy, head of GSA, you know, blocking transition, it, that in itself is just a whole <laughs> other thing, you know? Like, President, yeah. uh, President-elect Joe, Joe Biden is not going to be able to move forward with accessing President Trump's vaccine distribution plans for COVID-19. And that's like the most pressing matter that they've been like, hello, we want to like do stuff with this co- the COVID cases. We want to like start getting a plan together. We want to figure this out. And part of that was the stimulus check. We want to figure that shit out too. Mm-hmm. But because, you know, they're blocking the transition, they're not able to have access to that stuff. Biden's administration is not able to move forward. Not only that, um, the GSA blocked by not signing the letter. Also, millions of dollars that were would have been allocated for the people to come in and start the whole transition process. So exactly, yeah. And so, and not only that, there's you know tons of things like you said that he he needs to get caught up on. There's you know messages from other country leaders that he's mm-hmm. needing to to catch up on Presidential and if he's not briefs. able to do that by the time he does it's like it's months late who ma- like who cares by then yeah i know i it's saw a whole a story, other thing i saw a story that said that if if they had if the gsa had signed that letter or you know signed off on it whatever i can't believe it's up to one person that thing that makes me really upset they gotta come up with a special what other rule it's not up to one person to sign a little stupid piece of paper it should be like a panel of three or four people, three people, and say, okay, you won, we've approved it, move forward. It's not like one person that signs a little sheet of paper. But anyways, I read a story that said, uh, uh, what was it? That, um, oh, a Biden is not getting the presidential daily briefs right now. And, right. If, and if they had approved it, he would be. Now, right. here's the rub. Trump has been getting them, but they're only for a president. So if Biden were to start getting them, that means that two people would be getting the P- presidential daily brief, the PDB, every day, which means that Biden and his team or his inner circle, the people who are allowed to know that information, would know what has Trump been hearing and not acting on for the last four years. And those people would tell Biden. They'd be like, we've been telling him this information 
and he has done nothing about it. This is, these are the things that we have been telling him that he does not even want to hear. Now we're going to tell you. And then his team would know and they'd be, they, they would have, they'd have access to his most inner information that Trump is receiving and they would know what he's receiving and what he's not doing anything about or what he's ignoring. Right. And it could be anything from internal threats to threats around the world to how COVID is now moving itself into being a national security problem. It is moving itself to literally being a national security problem that's going to require, it might require them to put certain types of military in certain areas to build field hospitals. We're getting to that point. Hospitals are being overrun in certain states. I, I don't know. I forget the state. Oh man, I got to come back with this information. There's one state in the Midwest that had 25 emergency uh, ICU beds in the entire state. That's crazy. And they've completely overrun. Obviously. Completely overrun. Yeah. You need the military. You need a military hospital with a bunch more beds. But when Trump doesn't do the Defense Production Act, when he doesn't activate the, the National Guard in certain instances right. in certain states so they can go in and set up these field hospitals so that... He will for protesters, but not for the, the virus. Yeah, he will. Yeah. He'll, send, he'll send federal troops to, to arrest people or detain people, snatch people off the street, but building a hospital to deal with the influx of coronavirus patients and to build Forget more it. incubators, I'm sorry, intubators and respirators, Forget no, that. we're not going to do that. Forget that. Yeah. We'll keep an eye on all of this going forward. Definitely. Um, I think as we move forward, I, I know I've expressed this uh, to Megan offline, that uh, we're going to start moving away from so much of our attention focused on this one person. Well, it's not like we're trying to focus on yeah. Trump. We, it obviously is annoying to us to keep talking about it, but I think everyone around the u.s is annoyed to keep talking about it but this is our reality <laughs> this is this is what's yeah, going on this, this is our happening. reality this is what our podcast is about so if we have to talk about it we have to talk about it it's something that we have to discuss and figure out solutions and no we don't want to keep fucking talking about trump we we would rather just not but yeah it's kind of our reality so yeah. So as we move out of the main topic and into our next section, say their names. This is our part of the our show where we highlight the names of um, people within our communities that have been uh, affected by state sanctioned police violence um, or have been uh, certain parts of it has been affected by the state. So, uh, Megan, who is your say? I think today, I think both of us actually have um, updates rather than new uh, information in these in this in this section. Um, my update today is on the Ahmad Aubrey case. Um, it's one that hit me so hard when it first happened. And one I've been keeping an eye on, and it's taken too fucking long for them to deal with this, and mm -hmm. we're still dealing with it. But um, we found out that the father and son who killed Ahmad Aubrey, uh, they were denied bond. 
we found out that the so that means they stay in they're staying in prison they're staying in prison for now mm-hmm. um <clears throat> we found out that uh, that the da was called at the scene of the crime and she was called to get uh she was called by greg gregory mcmichael um and he uh, he said could you call me as soon as po- as you possibly can uh my inaudible and i have been involved in a shooting and i need some advice right away could you please call me as soon as you possibly can so he's literally calling the DA from the crime scene after to he, get advice on after, what to do after killing somebody. After killing somebody, yeah. I haven't... I, I honestly could not watch the videos too much about the the case so far because it, it, it just infuriated me. Mm-hmm. But some of the things that they were saying is just... It's honestly despicable. It's disgusting. The one of the guys was saying they were talking about text. There was text messages that were shown and and describing um, describing him as coon with gold teeth, malt liquor, you know, stuff like that. And they asked, "So, are you talking about Ahmad in this?" in this here and they and the guy said he's talking about raccoons i'm sorry but do you think i'm fucking stupid uh, yeah like what kind of dumbass shit is that yeah there's no fucking way in hell that you're talking about raccoons who the fuck talks about raccoons nobody talks about raccoons mm-hmm. bitch you're not talking about raccoons that doesn't even fucking make sense like that is the dumbest shit i've ever heard in my fucking life like yeah. At least come up with something better, dude. You know what I mean? Like that is just so fucking crazy. And so this is the shit that we're that we're that we're we're dealing with. This shit should be done just in the video. Mm-hmm. But then you have all of this other shit. Now this is this is just a case. I, I just get way too fired up. So we I don't even need to keep going. But keep an eye on it. We want to keep these guys in jail for the rest of their lives. If you don't know about the story, please look it up. Yes. This is one it's, of it's, the, uh, it's an awful the one. Uh, huge stories that kind of came up earlier this year. Uh, just a quick update. I believe Ahmad Arbery was jogging through a neighborhood. Yeah, he was jogging he through jogged. his neighborhood. He There were some houses that were being built under construction. And he had taken a, it looked like he had taken a look inside of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and these three men grabbed their guns, got in their cars, chased him down, confronted him, confronted him and shot and killed him. Yeah. And they were the ones that videotaped it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Say his name, Ahmad Aubrey. And we will definitely, like, one of the reasons why I love doing this show is because we have the opportunity to highlight these stories and stay up on the developments within the cases and talk about what the fallout is, what the implications are, what the new rules and laws and things like that that are passed as a, as a result of a lot of these cases. And so I'm really happy that we put this section in here because yeah. it's an opportunity. You know, so many of these cases happen and then they kind of fade from the, from the front pages, then they right. kind of fade from our memory and then they're kind of gone. Yeah. 
right. and things are happening, developments are happening. Uh, most of the time, people aren't really clued back in into, uh, until a jury is coming back with a, with a decision or a deliberation, and that's when sort of like the story gets re-upped. But the little things that are happening in between the developments, um, I think, are really important. And it's, yeah. and, it's, and it's important to keep up on what the legal uh, ups and downs and, and machina machinations are because Absolutely. that's important to know how other cases will be decided going forward. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, say his name, Ahmaud Arbery, Arbery, and we'll definitely keep up, um, up to, you know, keep updated his story as the case moves along. My say their name for this week is one that goes back um, <clears throat> to the early 90s. And it is not necessarily a story about the police having a direct impact on this person's death, but it is a story of the state's response and how the state's non-response is, is one of the primary reasons that um, a lot of things happened afterwards. So this, state is, this story is about Latasha Harlan's and she's an African-American woman, young girl, 15 years old, who was killed. She was fatally shot by Soon Ja Du, a 51-year-old Korean-American convenience store owner. Um, this happened in the South Los Angeles area. It happened March 16th of 1991. Um, so the, 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 um, the story was basically that so, um, says shortly before 10 a.m. on Saturday, March 16th, Harlan's entered the store. Do observe Harlan's putting a $1.79 bottle of orange juice in her backpack. Duke concluded Harlins was attempting to steal, did not see the money Harlins held in her hand. Duke claimed to have asked Harlins if she intended to pay for the orange juice, to which do to which Harlins responded, What orange juice? Um th there was a fight as Harlins was getting ready to leave the store. She put the orange juice on the counter and or she, I think she took the orange juice and put the money on the counter and attempted to leave. At this point, dude came from around the corner of the, of the counter with a gun, a pistol, shot her in the back of the head and killed her immediately. Mm. There's documentaries about this and there's actually eyewitness accounts about it. Um... Do testified on her own behalf, claiming that the shooting was in self-defense and she believed her life was in danger. But her testimony was contradicted by statements of the two witnesses present at the time, as well as the store security camera video, which showed Do shooting Harlins in the back of the head as the teenager turned away and attempted to leave the store. <clears throat> she was convicted of voluntary manslaughter. An offense that carries a maximum prison sentence of 16 years. Now, this is where the story gets into how the state or the city of Los Angeles took 
what was supposed to be justice and denied it to the family of Latasha Harlins. The judge suggested that there were mitigating circumstances in Harlins' death. And so the sentencing recommendation was the 16 years. The judge sentenced her to five years of probation, which means no jail time, 400 hours of community service, and a $500 fine. This is for murdering a black woman, a black young black girl. A child. A child. So no prison time other than what she spent in jail waiting to go to trial. 400 hours of community service and a $500 fine. Now, in the South Central LA area, this was not received well at all. This happened in 1991. I think it happened very soon to when the Rodney King beating happened. Mm -hmm. These two events were catalyst for the riots that happened in 1992. Mm. Obviously, when Rodney King, the people who, the, the cops who uh, um, beat, who used excessive force uh, were, were found not guilty, that's what sparked the riots. But this case was one of those cases that had people going, now it's time to react because they were so upset about this when it happened. And eventually, um, they, they ended up, uh, when the riots happened, Dew's store was looted and burned down and it never reopened. The property later became a market under different ownership. So I wanted to talk about this story because it did come up in the news very recently. They were talking about uh, where was Dew now, the, the, the woman who killed uh, Latasha Harlins. And I also wanted to talk about this story because this is a story in which when something like this happens, it, 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 it can very much be exacerbated and a problem can be made worse when the state, the city, in this case, the county, um, does not give the family justice, does not give the community justice. Five years probation, no jail time, 400 hours community service and a $500 fine from murdering someone is not justice. And so before there was a Black Lives Matter, before there was a say their names, these are the types of stories that I, I feel like at times I will go back and tell because I want people to do their research. Now there is a documentary that was that's on Netflix right now about the riots. And it, it literally goes back and talks to these two witnesses that were in the store that day. And it gives their account because these people get obviously testified at trial at the time. So it's great to go back and watch that documentary because you'll understand the context and the kettle, the, I'm sorry, the kindling on top of the fire, on top of the smoldering, ready to explode fire that was Los Angeles before the riots in 1992. And I think that when we talk about justice being served, we have to make sure that we're putting the right people in these positions so that when things like this happen, justice can be served because otherwise, you know, the impact, the impact is, uh, could be profound and destructive. Absolutely.
So say their names. Ahmaud Arbery. Ahmaud Arbery. And, and say Harlins. their names. Latasha Harlins. So as we move forward, we'll move into our activist highlight. And this is where we talk about people within our community, within our space that are doing great work. So Megan, who is your activist highlight of the week? Yes. So I wanted to talk about or highlight Rachel Cargill today. So she is a public academic, philanthropic innovator and social entrepreneur. Um, she's amazing. She's a great educator, um, someone who I've looked to a lot um, for over a year now just to gain extra knowledge outside of what I have and, and gain a, another perspective from a, a very intelligent black woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I... And very much enjoy on Instagram when she kindly corrects those who reach out or not even reach out to her. Those who choose to to ugly call I like to say ugly comment on her posts and like to <laughs> like to um you know, correct her or feel that they need to correct her. Mm-hmm. And I love her posts where she really and truly um in such an academic way breaks the post down especially because half of these people want you to be academic and proper so she makes sure that when she breaks your shit down she's very proper and academic about it which i find hilarious yes and it's Um, incredibly intelligently done i mean she will take Truly. sentence by sentence of your post and and just it's uh yeah and it's, it's really not good. in an ugly way she no. doesn't do it in a hateful way she does it because it's important for us to understand these things mm-hmm. if you're going around and you're making statements if they're incorrect then you need to understand why they're incorrect um if I was saying some incorrect shit like that, somebody, y'all correct me, please. Correct me. Seriously. Um, So I love that she does that. She also has um, something called The Great Unlearn. So it's a community of everyday human beings committed to curiosity for what is possible in the world. So monthly self-paced syllabi created by Rachel Cargill. So it's a whole community of learning to learn. The great unlearn of unlearning. Yes. Um, and she also created something called the Loveland Foundation, which is committed to showing up for communities of color in unique and powerful ways with particular focus on black women and girls. So she's created these different organi- organizations to, to help communities, um, to help communities in, in different ways. Um, and she's just honestly just an amazing, amazing person. She seems, she's just so well-rounded and, and truly someone that we can all learn from. So I really wanted to take a moment to highlight her today. And her Instagram is uh, Rachel.Cargo. C-A-R-G-L-E. Mm-hmm. Rachel, common spelling. Cargo is spelled C-A-R-G-L-E. Please Follow her on Instagram, look her up, Google her. She has a website, newsletter, 
go ahead and subscribe to all of that. Um, definitely, you want her information to be streaming and into contribute your, to her and contribute to her. Donate if if that's possible. Yes, all mm -hmm. of those things. It's possible. Do yes. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my highlight for the week is um, I think we've talked about this organization before, but I wanted to be a little bit more granular and just talk about one of their sub uh, subsections of it. It's the ACLU, but it's the ACLU SoCal. And the reason why I wanted to talk about them is because they're doing work right now in the Southern California area about all these different um, issues regarding the mayor, um, the sheriff, uh, civil, li civil liberties, immigration, ICE, the work that they're doing right now as far as helping people, I think is awesome. And I definitely wanted to talk about uh, the ACLU SoCal and encourage you to go to their website, look them up, follow them on Instagram, follow them on, on social media sites if you can. Um, they said that they said this and, and while Trump's relentless attacks on our civil liberties will soon be over, there is work to do to create a more perfect union and we at the ACLU are here to do it. Right now we are looking for the families of the 545 children I think it's up to 660. Yeah, the devil's six. number, 666. Yeah. Who are separated at the border. We are representing mm -hmm. LGBTQ rights and defending the senses at the Supreme Court. There are more battles just around the corner to preserve the rights many have fought and won. We will forge a pathway to citizenship for 11 million undocumented and stateless people living in the United States without caveats or compromise. We the people won't rest until we live in an America where equality and justice are, live, are a lived reality for all of us. And so when you think that just because we got Trump out, that that was it, we are here to tell you today in no uncertain terms and as emphatically as we can, that no, the work still goes on. There's still much more to be done. Please stay involved. Um, from their about page, it says what we do. So ACLU SoCal. American Civil Liberties Union defends the fundament, fundamental rights outlined in the United States Constitution and the Bill of Rights. These include the right to freedom of speech and assembly, the right to religious freedom, due process of law, equality before the law, and the right to privacy. The ACLU also relies on state constitutional provisions and federal and state laws that further these and similar, similar rights. So please, if you can, follow ACLU SoCal on Instagram. Follow, go to their website, aclusocal.org. Um, support, donate, repost their stuff, get engaged. The fight's not over. I think this leads into our call to action, so it was great totally. that this was one of my highlights. But as we move forward, we have a whole list of fights we can actually have now. Now that we got the crazy person out of the White House, we can actually clear our heads and clear the wipers in front of us and now focus on the things that we really need to focus on and fight for. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, further call to actions. You know, as we're moving into the holiday season, this is something that we mm. talked about at the beginning of this episode. Please, friends, the virus is still out there. It's not going away anytime soon. So take the extra precautions throughout this, this holiday season. Um, 
I t- we totally understand that it can be super difficult uh, during this time to hold back on celebrations and meeting with friends and family and hold back on traveling, but be safe. Do all that you can do to be safe so that we can keep the numbers down and we can actually move forward and not just be in this forever. Um, aside from that, like Wilson said, continue to do the work, okay? So now that we, like he said, now that we have the election, we, we're, we're done with that. We're not, we're not focused on voting. We're not focused on getting rid of Trump. So, like, what does doing, like, sit down and really think about and create a plan of what does doing the work look to you or look, what does it look like for you now? Doing the work looked like something different back in May, right? Mm-hmm. Back in June, back in September. What does it look like to you now? So think about that. Start to create a plan. Um, or even just like a list of things that, different calls to actions that you can do. Things that you can do within your community. Um, ways that you can make a difference. And big or small. Mm-hmm. It's going to look different to all and of remain, us. Remain encouraged. Remain um, committed and dedicated. Take care of yourself. Rest. Self-care. Best kind of care that you can ever have. Um, but understand that there are more fights. There are more things that need to be done. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to do it all in a day. Right. But We're not going to do it all but in a like, day. But like Megan said, it's the, the thing is the persistence. Making that plan, understanding what it looks like to you. How much more education do you need to do? How many more things is it left for you to learn? Mm -hmm. How many more interesting and intelligent and well-informed conversations can you have? Right. You know, how can you turn your presence in social media, if you have a presence in social media, into a beacon of light to spread positive and and insightful and and helpful factual information to people? Right. Um, you may you don't know what kind of a community you have until you start to engage it. You don't know how many people are looking at your stuff. You don't know what kind of impact you'll have. Exactly. Until you start to use the impact that you have. Then right. you realize, oh, wow, I'm affecting a lot of people. A lot of people are actually looking at my stuff. Absolutely. So be, I think it's be that change that you want to see in the world. Mm-hmm. And if you can you know, be that change, more people will see, oh, okay, maybe there is a pathway to being more informed and being more educated and knowledgeable about the things that are happening and, and, and all of the things that you thought you knew, unlearning those things, right. unlearning those toxic views and relearning the positivity and the love and the persistence and the dedication mm-hmm. and also the self-care. How to continue so to I fight. think I think that when we do this podcast, we are always talking. It's called Unlearn, Relearn. But what we're doing is basically looking at the mistakes that we've made. Basically, that's the unlearn. Mm-hmm. And then the relearn is doing things differently and better as we move forward. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. And finally, friends, like, share, comment, subscribe. Check us out, you know, obviously here, wherever you're listening to us, um, wherever you listen to this podcast, check us out on Instagram, unlearnrelearn.podcast. We are working on our YouTube channel, so check us out there. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Um, And then also reach out. We want to hear from you. We love hearing from you, friends, whether it's 
on Instagram, whether it's uh, shooting us an email, unlearnrelearn.podcast at gmail.com. We want to hear if you love us, if you hate us, um, if you want to hear specific topics. We're totally open to all of it. Um, So we want to hear from you. If you'd like to work with us um, for advertisements, sponsorships, if you'd like to donate to our cause so that we can continue to grow, um, reach out. So we love you, friends. And as always, as always, thank you so much for hanging out with us as we unlearn the BS and relearn the good stuff. All right, guys, we will see you on the next episode. Please take care of yourself and we'll talk to you soon.